Hi everyone and welcome back to Spine Chillers and Serial Killers. I'm Becky. I'm Tash. And I'm Emma. Hello. Howdy ho. Howdy ho. Isn't that what the poo used to say in South Park? Yes, Mr. Hanky. that is exactly. <laughs> Howdy ho. What was he called, Tash? Mr. Hanky. Mr. Hanky. The Christmas poo. The Christmas poo. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he used to gross me out so much. Oh. I mean, that whole show is so fucking weird. Nice. It's not as bad as Ren and Stimpy. Yeah, I think I don't know that. if you guys ever watch Ren and Stimpy. Mm-mm. That that was weird. You know how Nickelodeon always had the weird cartoons. Yes. Mm-hmm. Ren and Stimpy was like the one of the first, and it was definitely the worst. Was it like Cow and Chicken? It was worse than that. It, it was all about just <laughs> gross stuff and. Yeah, it was it was quite disturbing. Anyway, was, you know the Powerpuff Girls. Yeah, the the weird the devil in that was horror. Was it a devil? Oh no, I'm getting mixed up with cow and chicken again. <laughs> <laughs> right, that's good intro. Oh fuck yeah! yeah. <laughs> you know that there are podcasts out there that that actually scripts their intros or they're that good that they can actually get interested intros <laughs> yeah without trying that's not us hey no. sometimes we're interesting anyway <laughs> are you guys all right yeah well good thanks how are you absolutely fucking fantastic porn that was enthusiastic <laughs> yeah woohoo see i'm a woohoo girl <laughs> yeah. today i love it yeah yeah are you a yolo person Ugh, God, no. I once saw a guy wearing a t-shirt and it had a praying mantis on it. You know, those bugs. Yeah. And it said, you're for. It said what? Yofo. You're for. You only fuck once. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> because once they do, the female eats the male's head. Yeah. So that made even me laugh. I liked that person. Yeah, that was funny. That was funny. <laughs> <laughs> but you two um, obviously wasn't because you just said it was funny rather than actually laughing. So, yeah, moving on. <laughs> I have uh, loads to say, actually, about our little serial chiller family. Say away. Yes. Look, I've got a little uh, blue glittery notepad for our podcast. Nice. I love a oh. notepad. I hope it doesn't have a dolphin on it. No, it's just blue glitter. Okay, well, okay. It's got a fancy elastic strap, though. Like, when you're done using it, you put the strap on. I love it. anything with a strap on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you do, you dirty <laughs> bear. Oh, yeah. <laughs> do you twang the strap? Yeah, it's standard. Yeah, it's actually, it doesn't actually do its job because I've twanged my strap too much. you got a saggy strap. Yeah, overly twanged. <laughs> oh, dear. Nothing worse than a saggy strap. <laughs> there isn't right shall we start with the song let's get the song out of the way okay pretty sure this is right i have double checked don't hesitate to write in and tell me that i've fucked up if this is not right but tash your song was all night long by lionel richie it was it was all night long all night all night all night, all night, long. All night. Yeah. All yep. night long. Uh, anyway, all night long. We got Ruth. Well done, Ruth. Well done, Ruth. Congrats. John. John. Congratulations, John. Stacy. Oh, well done, Stacy. And big up to your mum. And Nicole. And Nicole. Congratulations. Did you guys get any answers? Yep. Sebastian also got it right. Well done, Sebastian. Megan did not get it right, though. Oh, yeah, I got somebody. I think it was Julie who didn't answer right either. But keep trying, guys. We want you to play. doesn't matter if you get it wrong. It doesn't matter if you win or lose. It's how you play the game. That's right. You're absolutely right. But I think Megan's uh, guess was fair. And it was Barry White, let the music play on. I can't remember what Julie's was, but I also think it was a good shout. But if I look, it's going to cut off our conversation, so... Okay, don't look then. But it was a good shout. And to be fair, when she messaged me, I didn't know what the answer was because I didn't know what it... I never found out until you told me. So it could... I was like, yeah, to be fair, Julie, could be that. I don't know. But it wasn't. But it wasn't. 
so yeah, well done guys. Thanks for playing. Keep playing. Today I have a cracker at the end of the episode, so stay tuned for that. What kind of a cracker? Well, a cracker of a song. Oh, so not one with cheese? No, no. Sorry. That's disappointing. Oh, cheese and crackers, man. Oh, fucking love it. Yeah, it literally is, isn't it? Yeah. Like, I don't ever, barely ever buy them, but when I do finally decide to buy some, I'm like, oh, why do I buy these more often? Yeah, yeah. The song that I've got for the end of the episode is truly, I've done something really unholy. (laughs) Yeah, you'll see. It's really easy, actually, so everybody should listen because um, everybody will get it, I'm sure of it. Okay, Witsards on Apple Podcasts left us a five-star review, so thank you very much. And they said... Thank you so much. Thank you. These three Brits know how to bring the laughs to true crime and creepy things. I've almost binged the whole show, and I will be sad when I have to wait for new episodes. Keep it up. Oh, that's so nice. Do you know what? We've got you. We will keep it up. (laughs) Yeah. We will do. We will do. Thank you so much. Yeah. We had to postpone recording twice this week because we're just like the illest people on the planet, apparently. So, but we're we're here. We're recording for you guys. We're doing it. Powering through. Mm Mm-hmm. Also, I, and I hope she forgives me for this, missed out a lovely message I got in February, which just makes me feel awful. And I'm pretty sure I didn't give give this lady a shout out. She's called Whitney. And she said, I have to say, I love listening to you guys. My kids are always asking me what's so funny when I have my AirPods on and I'm listening to you ladies. Always cracking up. Wish I had a good story for you, but alas, I don't. I just wanted to drop in, say hi, and say keep doing what you're doing because it's perfect. So thanks so much, Whitney. And I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I didn't give you a shout out before. Maybe we could sing for Whitney right now. Yeah, you you, go for it. I've got all in Barrett. (laughs) (laughs) What were you going to go for? I what was going to sing. And I, I will always love you. I thought you were going to keep going. I was just going to be backing singer. I mean, I could keep going all night with Whitney songs, but... <laughs> I'm not even going to try and attempt, because if I sing that, I know my husband's Malamu is going to start howling. So I'm just keeping quiet. She will join in 100%. It's a great song. Oh, I'd love that. She'll be like, (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, thanks so much, Whitney. That's that's really lovely. Okay. Now, who else? Joey. Joey got in touch. I hadn't heard from Joey for a while because Joey's definitely one of the OGs. Uh Big up to our OG crowd. Yeah. And... He said he, he'd fallen behind, so he'd kind of binged the last four episodes. And he, he sent me photographic proof, bless his heart, that he actually takes notes during our episodes of what tickles him so that he knows to message me and say, I really enjoyed this bit and this bit was hilarious. And when you did that. Aww. Do you know what? I appreciate that dedication because... I am a fan of a of a note, uh, like a voice note. I love voice noting people. Every now and then, I will come across somebody else who loves a good voice note. I'm talking about written notes. No, I know. Okay. But what I'm, I'm getting to my point right now. Oh, you get there, babes. I have, whilst um, online dating, if I've come across another avid voice noter, Basically, what tends to happen is the voice notes get longer and longer and you're basically just having a telephone conversation with somebody in voice notes. But if I see it's longer than like two to three minutes, I'm getting a notepad out to take notes because if not, I cannot remember what's been said at the beginning of the voice note. Uh, So I respect... See where you're going. I respect that and I'm there for it. See, Joey has got a notepad and I've got a notepad you love a notepad? Jesus, look at us with our notepads. Maybe a stationery store should... Uh... Sponsor us. Yeah, they should. Yeah. Okay, keeping on with our serial chillers. John, bless his heart. He has binged all of our episodes and he's now started again. <gasps> Go on, John. 
So I keep getting random messages from John going, oh, this was so funny, or I really enjoyed this one. And I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. Because my yeah. memory is like a goldfish. I can't remember what we did last week. No, I can't. Bless him. He's, he started from the beginning. Oh, John, I love you. And he did this on Spotify, because Spotify, you have to listen to a few minutes of an episode before you can rate it. So he did all that just to be able to give us a five-star review on Spotify. Oh, John, you darling. Which is so sweet. And also, you have to correct me if I don't get this right, Bex. Sumia gave us a five-star review as well on Spotify. So thanks so much to John and Sumia. And this isn't us getting all braggy. This is us appreciating you because it... it, oh, I'm just going to start gushing chodes again, so I'm, I'll be quiet. <laughs> God. <laughs> but no, we really do appreciate it. Thank you, everybody. Tinder with Tash? Tinder with Tash. Put on that sweet, sweet jingle. Sit down, you boys and girls, and everyone in between. Story Tash. Tash has stories for you, both funny and obscene. Ooh. Did she swipe right, swipe left, or find out he had a rash? Ew. We're about to find out, because it's Tinder with Tash. Tash, <laughs> did Ryan ever match your energy? Ryan did not match my energy, and therefore I unmatched Ryan. Oh, Ryan. Sad times, Ryan. It could have been a bye-bye, Ryan, sweet, sweet thing. Friend. We could have... We could have had a fake marriage and fake argued and I could have fake shagged your dad and... He missed out on a good time. I think so. I'm sad for Ryan because he did miss out. And also, Ryan, kind of a letdown. Yeah, Ryan. Sort it out, bruv. We were counting on you for content. Luckily, our listeners got our back. Yes, Mm -hmm. go on, listeners. So, one of our listeners called Megan. Hello, Megan. Hi, Megs. She did what we asked our listeners to do. So she did this on Bumble. She actually started, and she sent me the video of this conversation. She started talking to somebody on Bumble as if they were married. I'm going to read how it went. For Christ's sakes, Ali, I've told you a hundred times, how hard is it to empty the dishwasher? Honestly, it's clean. Unload it. It's not hard. Yeah. She says, I don't care what the doctor said about your knees. It's just completely unreasonable that I should have to when I'm carrying your children. Nothing to say for yourself, eh? And he replied with, I'm sorry, honey, I'm going to throw the dishwasher away. Yes, yes, Ali. Yes. And she replied, so you should be. Why won't you just let me get a maid? I know I have to go on maternity soon, but we have enough savings. And then it took a dark turn. Ali just responded with, I want to die. Oh. Um, he just turned emo. Oh. I want to die. I want to die. And that was it? And she replied, well, fantastic. And after what I've gathered on this particular Bumble thing, it was timed. I don't know if it was like a speed conversation oh, or something. Oh, it might have been the speed date one. But yeah. He was there, he was matching, and then he just he just gave up and wished death. So oh, I hope you're okay, Ali. So weird. Ali, how are you? Hang on in there. Yeah, don't die. Megan also sent me... Uh, so Megan is the listener who sent us the bad date with the guy who did horrendous things with a cat. Oh, yeah. Do we remember this? We do. Ugh, awful. Now, I know Megan personally, and she is lovely, so she does not deserve... I think she might have a little bit of our syndrome that we had, like, when we were her age, that we just attract the weirdos. I don't know what you mean. Yeah, well, okay, that I had, where you just attract weirdos, because basically the next guy she started talking to, it's all going... Well, she started talking to him, actually, when she'd flown over to France to see her parents... And so they arranged to meet when she went back and he was waiting for her at the airport and he carried her bags and it was all very Hold nice. Hold on, and he grown. waited at the airport for her like a long last lover? Yes. I mean, romance. Exactly, right? 
lucky it's only like a 45 minute flight because you can look ropey after flying (laughs) he's so he's carrying his her bags he's taking her back home obviously you know she's kind of swept off her feet understandably he comes in yeah in her words she let him service her okay they shagged yep her words but this is when it gets a bit dodgy he didn't leave oh i've had this no but he didn't leave for four days i mean i've not had four days but i've had somebody not leave and she was like, I'm too polite. I'm too nice. I don't, I didn't allow her to get rid of this guy. And when he eventually did leave, he stole one of her jumpers. Why? Cause he's a fucking weirdo and a pair of her knickers, but not even like sexy knickers. He stole a pair of her period pants. Men are so fucking weird. For four days, if she was in the shower or something, he would just sit on the staircase waiting for, like, one of her flatmates to come out so he could, like, say, oh, hi, I'm Megan's new boyfriend. And Megan's like, I was kind of swept away with the romance and that, but I didn't actually like him that much, but couldn't get rid of him. Four days, though. Day two, I'd be like, excuse me, I need to take a shit. You need to leave now. Yeah. You can't be here. He hid her phone charger, which, hello, that is... Red flag! Yeah, exactly. Um, And when she was sleeping, she woke up to him sniffing her hair. Oh, behave. Who is this man? This person is a psychopath and he's obviously murdered people. You are lucky to be alive. He also, once he did decide to to actually leave... He'd left her loads of handwritten notes all over her room, hidden, that she's still finding to this day a month later. Did she not have work? What What were they doing? I have no idea. Maybe he just stayed when she was at work or maybe she was working from home and he was just like, I have no idea. I don't have the details. She's gently tried to let him down, but he keeps hand delivering flowers to her door. Oh my God. And she just ends it with, send help. Right, so Megan, this is too late now for this advice, but ongoing, this is why we don't let people come back to our house. Yeah, and can we stop, right, everybody, this is for everybody, you don't have to be polite. If you're uncomfortable, you don't have to be polite. No. Just say, could you just leave, please, now? I've just met you, fuck off. There are ways of making somebody know that they're like just coming to service you and then they can leave. Basically, I just don't offer anyone a drink. Yeah. And I can see Megan being like, oh, do you want this? Do you want that? Because that's how she is. Yeah. I'm not offering you a drink. Yeah. I don't know. I think in her defense, I honestly think they'd had good chat and he'd met her at the airport and he was a gentleman and she was like, oh, you know, he seems nice. But then it was too late, you know, she shagged him and he turned out to be a freak that stayed for four days. That's a lot, isn't it? I had a guy that like stayed for a full 24 hours and and I was like, please leave. I was like, you need to go. Like, who are you? Yeah. We've got to stop thinking that we have to be all polite and kind. We can tell people to fuck off. It is allowed. They might not be happy about it. So what? They'll get over it. They'll go and be a freak to somebody else. Or maybe they won't because you've told them to fuck off and you've just saved somebody the trouble of having a weirdo stuck in their house for four days. That was wild. I think that's everything. I think I've included everybody there. Well done, babe. So thanks, Megan, for the input. And thanks for playing the game. Guys, still fully recommend that if you're on a dating app, you pretend to be a married couple. It's hilarious. Apart from when they say they want to die, then it's weird. Yeah. I mean, sad. Maybe they were reaching out for help. Maybe it was, I want to die because it was so funny. Ah, I didn't oh, tell Yeah, maybe that's what the kids say nowadays, isn't it? I, I'm dead. I'm dead. I, I want to die. Because it's so funny that I'm going to say that's what that was. Yeah, let's so it's roll not with depressing. That. Yeah, talking of depressing, Becky. What? I think it's your. Oh. it's your turn to. All right. Okay. I was thinking. Well, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Becky, you're so depressing. So depressing. 
Well. Do it. So, hi everyone. I'm <laughs> Becky and I'm depressed. <laughs> <laughs> Um, hold on, let me sh- let me shuffle, get on my shuffling away. All right, shuffle, shuffle, shuffle. I've told shuffle, my crabs to be calm tonight. <laughs> if you're not on the Facebook page, you won't get that reference, which is a fantastic reason to go and join the Facebook page. Yeah, join us on social media anywhere, anytime. It was funny. It was very funny. Anyway, so what's going to be funny is my case is set in Germany, so there's a lot of words, lots of H's and F's and K's in all of these towns and names. So I've really set myself up with the challenge, considering that I can't really see very well out of one eye. This week, my story takes place in March of 1922 in Germany, in a town called Hinterkaifeck. Sounds Germany. I'm going with it. Yeah. And I'm sorry if I pronounced that wrong. You guys know that I don't know anything. And also, were you there? I wasn't there in 1922, so... Not you, the listeners. You know, if anybody's like, that's not how you say it, were you there? No. No. And if anyone was there, welcome to the podcast, you. Down with the kids. (laughs) Hinderkaifeck was located near the town of Groburn, which is about an hour's drive from Munich. There was a farm near this town... And the farm was just on the edge of some woods, and the woods were called Witch's Woods. I like it. Spooky. Spooky, spooky. So it made me think of you, Emma. I loved it. In the farm, so it was the home of 35-year-old Victoria Gabriel and her two children, 7-year-old Kazilia and 2-year-old Joseph, or Yosef. So she lived there with her elderly parents, Andreas and Cazelia Gruber. So the grandma's called Cazelia and so's the young seven-year-old. Nice. Victoria's husband, Carl Gabriel, had been killed in action in World War I a few years prior. That's sad. Can you guys remember what years World War I was? 1914 to 1918. I'm so proud of you. Well done. Yay. Fucking smash that out of the fucking park. Get us. I'm him. so oh, proud of both of you. Like, we know we know dates and shit. We all kind of know the World War II dates more than the first World War. Well, I did anyway. World War II ended in 1918 and this is... 1922. 19, I keep saying... Tw- I keep trying to say 2022, but no, 1922. So Carl was the father of the seven-year-old, but not the two-year-old as he'd already passed. So the two-year-old Joseph paternity was disputed. However, a local farmer called Lorenz Schlittenbauer was on the birth certificate. So we'll get into that a little bit more later on. Victoria had taken over the farm from her elderly parents as they couldn't keep up with the work. So they were still living there, but they didn't do all the work. It was mainly Victoria. The family was a little bit weird, but okay and they were known for keeping to themselves still the neighbors grew concerned on the 1st of april 1922 when young kazilia missed school and the entire family failed to show up to church where victoria was a member of the choir the mailman was delivering mail every day was he was he was yeah. that all he was delivering oy oy. Oy oy. do you know what amazes me about mailmen in the UK especially, is that they just will wear shorts all year round. My cousin's a mailman and he says that you wear shorts because you're just like either on a bike or walking everywhere and you're really hot. Are shorts easier to take off than jeans so it's easier to shag all the women? <laughs> what, easy access. <laughs> See all the postmen walking around in hot pants that just lift it up slightly. <laughs> There's one postman in my village and he's so attractive, but he doesn't deliver my post. Move house, Tash. Move house. He delivers the post to my grandparents and my cousin. And oh my God, whenever I'm at one of their houses and I see him, I'm like, God, your postman is so fit. You just go around there in your dressing gown and be like, oh, hi. I just walked over here in my dressing gown. Oh, is that my boob? Oh, I'm sorry. (laughs) Come on in. Let me sew up your shorts. Oh. My um, cousin, though, who's a postman, he says that you see so many people like in various states of undress because they're really desperate for their package or whatever they're trying to get. Mm. And then he, he went in, this poor lady, he went and delivered mail to an old, elderly woman. 
and she entered the door and like her full boob was out oh of her dressing gown and she was like talking to him and he was like oh well <laughs> <laughs> i reckon she did it on purpose the saucy mare so the mailman who was possibly wearing shorts <laughs> As this was 1922, and if he was, like, a younger mailman, he definitely was. So the mailman went up to the farm delivering the mail. Everything looked fine. The smoke was coming from the chimney. The animals seemed to be okay. And he just left the mail and left. You know, did his job. The next day, however, he noticed that yesterday's mail hadn't been taken in. And Kazilia had missed school again on the 3rd of April. And by then... As I said, the mail from the family had begun to pile up in the post box. On the 4th of April, the family's neighbours decided to investigate. One of these people was Lorenz, so the father of, of Joseph, so Lorenz Schlittenbauer. So he decided to gather a few of his neighbours and form a little search party and go down to the farm. So when they got there, the main house was locked, but... As Lorenz knew Victoria, he knew that you could get into the house through the stalls of the barn. So that's where they head. As they go into the barn, what they would discover most likely haunted them for the rest of their days. Oh shit, what's it going to be? Kittens! It's going to be kittens. There's always kittens in a barn, isn't there? Barn full of kittens. Possibly was kittens there, but it's not what we're about to talk about, I'm afraid. I promise you one time it will be kittens. I will try. All right. I'll find that murder. Well, we don't want murdered kittens, though. No, I don't want murdered kittens, but like some kittens that survived and were really happy and all went to living homes. Okay. Okay? Yeah. yeah. In the barn, the search party came across a foot sticking out of the hay. Nope. So Lorenz, like, nonchalantly just like went and like pulled the foot. Oh, God. And found the body of Andreas, so Victoria's dad. And then they saw there were three more bodies. All had been oh. covered by the hay. Shit. It was Victoria, her daughter Cazelia, and Victoria's mother, also Cazelia. So Cazelia's senior and junior. Realising that Joseph wasn't there, they decided to go through the barn and try and get inside the house. Inside the house, they discovered the body of the maid, Maria Baumgartner. It had been Maria's first day on the job. Oh, fuck. The day before the murders. In the same room is where they found the body of the little two-year-old Joseph in his crib. Oh, my good God. So the whole family? The whole family is gone. Jesus. Maria and Joseph had both been covered up as well. Maria by a blanket and Joseph by one of Victoria's dresses. The whole family had met a very gruesome end. So some of these reports really went into detail with the autopsy, so I'll give you a little bit of it, but some of it you don't really want to know. Um, so the reports from the family's autopsies conducted by court physician Dr. Johann Baptiste O'Muller paint a horrifying picture of their injuries. The whole family had been murdered with what they suspected was a pickaxe. Oh, oh my God. While the elder, Cazelia, Andreas and Victoria likely died instantly from the expertly delivered blows, the autopsy found that the younger, the seven-year-old Cazilia, likely remained alive and in shock for several hours after the attack. Oh my god, this is horrendous. And in her shock or completely agitated state, she'd actually ripped clumps of her own hair out. Oh fucking hell, man. Inside the farmhouse, little Joseph and the maid Maria had met a similar fate. Maria was killed by crosswise blows to the head, so yeah, to the side of her head in the bedroom, and little Joseph by blows to the face. In his cot. Fucking hell. Andreas had also been hit in the face with the axe. And I just think it's weird because whoever's killed them has hit them in the face. And especially the baby has hit a baby in the face with an axe. Yet they went and covered all the bodies up. Yeah. 
which is weird. I was going to say, because when you cover a body up after committing a murder, it generally means like some form of regret or respect. Yeah, remorse, isn't it? Mm. But the fact that he did it over and over and over again, I mean, you've got time to be remorseful for one and think, what the fuck am I doing? But then to attack them in the face, yeah, it's odd. This was a messy murder scene. There was like brains and blood everywhere. I, st- I just don't understand how can someone can murder someone in such a horrific way and then just like cover it all up like it didn't happen. Yeah. Well, they're obviously extremely awful. Yeah, it's awful. Psychotic. Mm. However, the farm's animals and the Pomeranian watchdog remained unharmed. Chillingly, they had been taken care of and fed in the several days that had passed between the murders and the terrible discovery. That's fucking horrendous. I mean, good for the animals, but that means whoever did this stuck around, right? Yeah. Yeah, supposedly. This led investigators to think that the murderer had lived in the house for a few days after the murders. That's probably why he covered them up. He was like, I don't want to see all that shit. Yeah, it could be, yeah. Jesus. So it wasn't actually remorse. It was more convenient. I don't want to see Yeah, I don't want to look like that now. Possibly. So police initially suspected a random attack or a burglary gone wrong. Gone fucking very wrong. Yeah. However, they'd quickly drop this theory after large sums of money were found within the house. So he hadn't taken the money? No, no money was taken. It's just some sicko, isn't it? So the police questioned the maid, who had conveniently left before the murders, and she said... She, she'd left the house because she was absolutely terrified while she was staying there. She said that the house was haunted. And this is why she ended up leaving her job there. And also she had an alibi for where she was working. She was working in a, uh, the other, a town over at least. So there was no way for her to get, you know, there was no way for her to leave her job. Yeah. And then come and murder everyone and come back. And also she wouldn't have been able to do that by herself. Because none of the family had any defensive wounds. That's weird. Yeah, led police to believe that the family was kind of lured one by one into the barn and then whoever went and finished the baby off and the maid. Is that why he covered them up? So that the others didn't see when he lured them into the barn? Yeah, maybe. But why, why cover the people in the baby and the maid? Oh, yeah, good point. Mm. I'll shut up. Well... It's good. I want I want your theories. The maid said that the house was haunted, which is why she left her job there. When she was staying there, she could hear banging from the attic and scratching in the wall. But not mice. This was like human nails scratching against the drywall, which is just delicious. Right. Somebody's living in the fucking wall. Yeah, but despite checking the attic many times, nothing was found. It must be Greg the Mongoose. Oh. Jeff. Jeff. <laughs> Greg. <laughs> Greg. Greg. <laughs> it was close. <laughs> so the maid also mentioned that something that Andreas had mentioned a few months before the murders. Andreas was out helping a little bit with the animals when he saw what looked like footprints in the snow leading from the woods, so the witch's woods, to the house, but none going back. He also found a newspaper in the house that he did not purchase. See? Andreas had mentioned this to his neighbours, who would later confirm this to police as well. To make matters stranger... A few days before the murders, one of the family's two keys disappeared. And one of the keys that had gone missing was to one of the sheds where they kept axes and tools to work on the farm. Mm. All this combined with the footsteps from the woods, the sound in the attic, smoking chimney in the days following the crime... The odd details paint a horrific picture of a ruthless intruder who may have taken up residence inside the house. But they don't have anything that actually proves this. After a while, the house was destroyed, you know, that they knocked it down because it was just like a murder house. And that's when they actually found the axe 
under the floorboards of the house, the murder weapon, that's when they found it. Whoever had murdered them had hidden this axe under the floorboards. And also, what was very different, especially for, like, 1920s, was when this happened, the little local police, especially after the war and that, these rural police just didn't have the resources to look into, investigate a murder like this, so they quickly got Munich police station involved with the murder investigation. And they sent someone down that took pictures of the crime scene. So this is the 1920s, and this, like, didn't really happen. So there are five photos of the crime scene, which is, like, not a first, but it was very early in the whole crime scene photography. Yeah. Mm. We've got a few theories going on. So that was the first theory that possibly someone was living in the house. That's my theory. Yeah. It, it sounds like something like that to me as well. Yeah. This is theory number numero deux. Do you remember Victoria's husband that died in the war? Yeah. Well, someone said, actually, he wasn't dead. And he was just presumed dead and kind of disappeared for a little bit. But then he came home and had found out that Victoria had had another baby with another man. Oh. So that was just another rumour. Oh, I think it was the village, like, spreading loads of rumours and theories around. Oh, so that wasn't true? No, they actually went, they did look into it, and they managed to find quite a few witnesses that actually saw Victoria's husband die. He stepped on a mine, and that's how he died in the war. So he's definitely dead. Yeah, there's not a lot of people that recover from that. Yeah. Here's another theory. So, as I mentioned earlier, there was a little bit of questions to do with um, Joseph's paternity. So Victoria said that Joseph's father was Lorenz Schlittenbauer, who was the man who led the search party and discovered the bodies. Okay. They apparently had planned to get married until Andreas, so Victoria's father, had interfered and he made them end their relationship. Lorenz Schlittenbauer said that Andreas was jealous of their relationship because he wanted his daughter to himself. And actually, this is true, Andrea and Victoria had actually received a prison sentence in the past for an incestuous relationship. Oh, God. So Lorenz says that after his and Victoria's relationship soured, that Joseph was Andreas's son and they were just kind of using Lorenz to kind of keep face. I knew you were going to say that. Yeah. So he's an incestuous baby. And that's what Lorenz keeps saying, but that isn't proven. And also, they were having an, a relationship, yeah. and and his name is on the birth certificate, is Lorenz's. Because when he said that, I was like, well, that's weird, because technically she's got no reason to not be with this guy if she's a widow. Yeah. And her father should be like, yes, marry him, you know, because 1922, you want your daughter who's just had a baby to be married. I don't know how old... Victoria was when they kind of got put in prison for this, but um, the father is still the abuser in that. Yeah, oh yeah, 100%. I mean, even if I really don't think it was like a a willing relationship, because I just think the father is the one that shouldn't do that. No, it's never a willing relationship. It's no. grooming. He, she was groomed. Yeah, he must... I assume he groomed her when she was younger. This this didn't start when they were adults. Mm. Ugh, it's so gross. Yeah, apparently Victoria had wanted to go after Lorenz for some child support because he was on the birth certificate and he should be paying for his son. After Victoria and Lorenz split up, Lorenz did marry someone else and have a baby. But then not long before the murder, the baby died. They just, I think, of uh, SIDS or something like that, something unknown. So police thought, hmm, Lorenz was uh, kind of acting a little bit weird when they found the murders. He, like waltzed around the house looking at all these bodies and like his son that had been hit in the face with an axe and he was just like not even freaking out i mean i know that some people grieve differently and react differently it's shock isn't it yeah but also remember this is not long after the war and chances are they would have seen some horrific things during the war as well exactly so police say that he was traumatized by the death of his baby and he was unwilling to pay child support for Joseph, that he could have easily come to the farm 
and like fed the animals and stuff after the murders because he only lived a few hundred yards down the road in his own farm. So he said it was pretty easy actually that for him to come along and murder the family. Everyone on the search found his behaviour very, very suspicious and that he was very nonchalant viewing and handling the bodies without any signs of repulsion. He also knew his way around the farm, so he did have, like, an upper hand for everyone. And also, he would have known where they kept the keys. He would have known loads of things. It could definitely be him. And they knew him, and they trusted him. Yeah. I mean, like, he could have called them out to the barn and said, oh, look, this cow has given birth or whatever, come on. Come and look at these kittens. Yeah, come and look at these kittens. Yeah, see? Could have been to do with kittens. Could have been. The police questioned Lorenz extensively, but were unable to conclusively place him at the crime scene. His behaviour could be explained by shock, they reasoned, and his knowledge of the farm by his relationship with Victoria, so... So what happens? The police never got to the bottom of it. They never arrested anyone. They went on for a long time with the whole, it must have been a random act, someone staying in the house, but we don't know who it was because they left. Just like a drifter that got lucky because he could sneak around the farm and stuff and then just one day he snapped and killed everybody. Though more than 100 suspects were interviewed up to as recently as 1986. An official suspect has never been named in the Ooh. Hint of Kaifek murders, making it Germany's most famous unsolved crime. No way. Yeah. You're not going to end it like that. Which is why I hate cold cases. Oh. How uncomfortable is that? Apparently, they do think they know who did it, but they're not releasing the name as the family still lives in the area and they don't want the family to be harassed because people are dicks and will do that. Yeah. Even though the family has nothing to do with it. This case is 101 years old. Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. There we are. That's the uh, Hinterkaifeck murders, and it's still... Officially, it's still unsolved. Do you know, that reminds wow. me of the, I think it's the Viscella, Viscella, something like that, Axe House in America. Again, a whole family murdered with an axe and nobody, I don't think they've ever caught, I mean, this was probably hundreds of years ago, but yeah, they never caught whoever did it. I think I might have actually read that one to do once. It's quite old. It's really haunted now, apparently, because of that. That would be cause for a haunting, but yeah. Yes. Well, thanks for that, Becky. That was horrific. Thanks, Bex. I just don't like it when they don't catch them. I'm reassured because it was a long time ago, but fucking hell, what a horrific thing to do and to go through. I don't know how anyone can hit anyone in the face with an axe, but especially a baby. Or a seven-year-old. I do like the whole someone hiding in the house theory, but... Also, I'm thinking possibly there could have been two murderers, someone that actually did the murder in, and then the person that was remorseful that covered them all up. Oh, possibly. Like a dominant, submissive yeah. relationship. Yeah. Possibly. Yeah. Or, yeah. I hate that we don't know. Yeah, I can't understand how anyone can go from hitting someone in the face with an axe to then deciding to cover them up. No. And looking after the animals, that's weird. Yeah. I mean, I'm glad they did. It's chilling. It's like a really weird feeling that they just... Stuck around. I assume they ate. Yeah. In the same house as six murdered people. And that poor little girl. Horrendous. Same age as my little girl. I can't even imagine it. Yeah. Well, they they think that she just died she died of shock because she'd been hit in the jaw and the neck. Oh my god. Yeah. Poor little love. Fucking sicko. And they and they got away with it. Well, the person that they that is the official suspect now who hasn't been named has passed. So yeah, they got away with it. I can definitely see it being Lorenz as well. Yeah. The whole, the way that the baby was killed kind of makes me feel a bit weird, unless he really thought that that baby wasn't his. I don't know. It's very personal, isn't it? An axe yeah. murder. Hitting somebody in the face with a pickaxe. Yeah, just slightly. Mm. Right. Shall we put a trailer here? <laughs> <laughs>
I best guess we can. Go on then. Here's a trailer. Boom. Play by the rules. Stay alive. The rules of Dash and Seek are quite simple. Drive together, stay together. Windows down with the music turned up. Never ride alone. But when Evie Larson and her friends reunite during a college break for some harmless fun, the game turns deadly. Fans of I Know What You Did Last Summer and Pretty Little Liars will enjoy this mystery thrill ride packed with dark secrets and unexpected twists at every corner. After witnessing a fatal crime, Evie and her girlfriend Tony make a pact with their friends to stay quiet, but they soon discover that someone knows they are lying. As past secrets are exposed, they are each forced to play Dash and Seek once more. Stalked by an unknown threat, Evie is determined to unmask the killer before it is too late. But once the countdown begins, survival is not guaranteed. Dash and Seek, the shocking new novel by Amy Cotto. Available now on Amazon. Okay, this week my story is... I will say it's spine-chilling, but it's nothing paranormal. Okay, great. I think somehow makes it worse knowing that it's actually a real thing that happened. Oh. Not saying the paranormal stuff isn't a real thing that happened, but with the paranormal there's always that element of doubt, yeah? Yeah. Yeah. This person existed and is uh, vile. (gasps) Oh. Enjoy. So I'm going to tell you the story of a man called Tarare. Have you heard of him? I haven't. Is he a magician? Is he French? He is French. Oh, I think I know what it is. And if it is, I'm really excited. (laughs) (laughs) If it is, I really nearly did this as a case once when we swapped. Oh, did you? I'm not sure because I'm rubbish with names, but I'll, I'll let you know at the end of the story if it's that. If it is that, I'm very worried that you're so excited about it. (laughs) <laughs> but I'm excited because it's such a horrible... If well, Keep going. It's probably I'll, I'll not I'll keep bad. going. And to answer, yes, Tash, he is kind of a magician. You will see why. I mean, I just... I don't know why I said that, but there you go. So, Terraro was born into a modest family in rural France in the late 18th century. From an early age, it was clear that he was different from other children. Mm. <laughs> he had an insatiable... <laughs> He Sorry. had an ins- shut up. <laughs> trying to tell a story. He had an insatiable appetite. So oh. much. So- <laughs> yeah, it's the one I've gone. I'll stop making excited noises. <laughs> <laughs> so much so that his parents struggled to provide enough food for him, and his constant hunger soon became a burden on the family. As he grew older, Tarare's appetite only intensified and he became increasingly desperate to find ways to feed it. His parents, unable to cope with his constant demands for food, eventually kicked him out of their home, leaving Tarare to fend for himself in a world that couldn't understand or accommodate his unusual condition. Tarare was described as having an unusually thin and elongated frame. His skin Mm. from his stomach would stretch when he ate huge amounts, blowing up like a balloon. But once he digested, it would hang loosely and he could actually wrap the skin around his waist like a belt. Bloody hell. He was said to have an abnormally large mouth. This is why I'm doing this story, Becky, just for you. Oh, it's horrible, isn't it? (laughs) What a bitch. (laughs) (laughs) So his jaws could open to around four inches. So that's 10 centimetres. Fucking hell. He had extremely thin lips and stained, disgusting teeth, likely due to the excessive amount of food he consumed. So I've painted a pretty horrendous picture, right? Yes. So he could basically dislocate his jaw like a fucking snake. Ten centimetres is huge. Oh, (laughs) sorry. (laughs) As if he didn't have enough going for him, he also stank. The stench was apparently overwhelming from quite a distance away and got worse after he'd eaten. His eyes would become bloodshot and he sweated profusely. 
Visible vapours arose from his body, and once he'd finished his meal, he would become lethargic and drowsy. He would belch constantly, and his jaws would make a chewing motion. He also had constant diarrhoea that was described as being, and this is a quote, fetid beyond all conception. Gross. Nice. His cheeks were saggy and wrinkly from being stuffed full of food. He could hold 12 eggs or apples in his mouth at a time. That's a lot. 12 eggs or apples. Yeah. I feel like they're a strange thing to compare to one another. Yeah, because an egg is small compared to an apple. Yeah, I agree. But still, even 12 eggs, that is a lot to have in a mouth. I can't, I hadn't actually thought of it, but I can't even imagine having an apple in my mouth. Like, I couldn't do it. you only got a little tiny little bird mouth. Yeah, but could you guys fit a whole apple in your mouth? Oh, I think I could. I think I'm positive. It depends on the size of the apple. Like, comfortably, just stick it in there. Oh, not comfortably. I reckon I could get it in there, but getting it out would be hard. Yeah, and it would be uncomfortable as fuck, right? Yeah. 12. He could have 12 in his cheeks like some kind of fucking human hamster. He must have that thing that where people have that really stretchy, stretchy skin. skin. Yeah, that's what I thought. Like he, little by little, he must have stretched it and stretched it and stretched it. Anyway. Yeah. So he had like these jowls that would just hang on his face when he wasn't eating. He sounds attractive. No, I don't think he was very attractive. All in all, I think we can agree Terare was gross, but also suffering, as nothing would ever satisfy his appetite. He would eat rubbish and offal he found in gutters. Everybody knows what offal is, right? Yeah. I hate it. Yeah. And even non-digestible items like rocks and metal. Even though his eating habits were unusual, to say the least... People who knew him said he didn't display any signs of mental illness, maybe just a bit apathetic, meaning he didn't show much emotion. For a few years, he travelled around with a group of thieves and sex workers stealing and begging for food before getting a job as a warm-up act to a travelling con artist. Terare would draw a crowd by eating corks, stones and live animals and by swallowing an entire basket full of apples one after the other. He would eat ravenously and was particularly fond of snake meat. Oh, what? Wow. In 1778, Terare moved to Paris to perform in the streets. He was a great attraction until one day something went wrong, causing him massive intestinal obstruction and he was taken to hospital, where a large amount of laxatives were given to him, freeing the obstruction. Now, I've got a lot of admiration for all healthcare workers, but I cannot even imagine having to deal with Terare after laxatives had been given to him. Well, if he already had diarrhoea, that must have just been like a fountain. I'd like, oh. Like, that was gushing. Oh, that was a gushing turd. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Did you think he had pie? Is it so pica? Nice. Pica? I've no idea what... Sounds like he had prada Willy syndrome. Yeah, and also, is it pica, though, where, where you just eat... You know, like, did you ever watch that My Strange Addiction or My Strange Obsession? And, like, people... That was that woman that ate a mattress and the yeah. other woman that ate drywall. I honestly have no idea. Okay. And I don't have any clarification at the end of this story either. Aww. So Terare was grateful for the hospital's help and as a reward he offered to eat the surgeon's pocket watch. <laughs> the surgeon said, sure, go on, but I'll cut you open to get it back, which funnily enough made Terare change his mind. When the war of the first coalition broke out, Terare joined the French Revolutionary Army, but very quickly everyone realised that the military rations were not enough to satisfy his hunger. He would do tasks for other soldiers in return for their food rations, scavenge what he could from the rubbish heaps, and yet he was admitted to military hospital due to exhaustion from lack of food. At the hospital they gave him quadrupled rations, but this still wasn't enough, and he would sneak off and steal the other patients' leftover food. He'd even go into the apothecary's room to eat the poultices 
which is, after what I understand, a porous sponge that's used to absorb medicines to help soothe wounds or rashes. God. Delicious, right? Oh, but for some reason yeah. I thought you said we were going to say that like sponges that help absorb pus. Well, probably. Uh... I don't think that would have stopped him. Uh... The military's doctors were at a loss and he was ordered to remain in hospital so that they could study him and try and find out what was causing such an appetite. The doctors who were experimenting on him were called Dr. Corville and Dr. Percy. They first tested Terare with a meal that had been prepared for 15 people. He ate every single last bite, including all the grease and the salt, and then he immediately fell asleep. Then, just because why the fuck not, they gave him a live cat. He ripped it open with its teeth, drank its blood, and ate every scrap except for the bones. Then, like some kind of fucked up owl-human hybrid... He regurgitated the fur and skin. Oh my god, he's vile. They also presented him with other animals. Puppies, lizards, snakes. All were eaten. He even ate an eel without chewing after crushing its head with his teeth. Oh, like a big spaghetti. (laughs) Although the doctors were still keen to continue experimenting, the military had caught wind of Tarare's special talents and decided they could use him as a spy. Swallowing messages through enemy lines and then pooping them out once he got to the other side. Delightful. They tried him before giving him a proper mission, and he successfully swallowed a wooden box containing secret documents. Right, this is where I got perturbed. Not only is this man's mouth enormous, and he can swallow a wooden box, but imagine his arsehole. Oh, yeah. Because that's where the issue's going to lie, isn't it? You know, trying to get it through his digestive system. So fine to the stomach, that's not particularly far, is it? Well, anyway, he did it. They rewarded him for this feat with a wheelbarrow full of raw cow lungs and livers that he gleefully munched his way through. What a lovely reward. Mm, Gleefully munching. And so Tarare was officially employed as a spy. He was given his first mission. He was to get a vital message to a colonel that had been imprisoned by the Prussians. Also, he was told. The document actually was only asking the colonel to write them a message back to see if this gruesome system was efficient. This was simply because, although there was no doubt in Terare's capability to carry a letter, the military was somewhat concerned about his mental capacity to do so without getting caught. And of course they were right. Dressed as a German peasant who didn't speak German, he stuck out like a sore thumb and was soon captured by the Prussians. Of course, in the initial search, no message was found, but after 24 hours of being held captive, Terare caved and told them everything, at which point he was chained to a toilet until the message passed through his system. When it did, the Prussian commander was furious seeing that it was only a simple message and nothing of importance. He dragged Terare off and performed a fake execution, making Terare think he was about to be hanged. They placed a noose around his neck and at the last minute they took him down. That's horrendous. Yeah, that's not nice. They took him down, beat him up and then released him over French lines. After this incident, Terare did not want to do any more military espionage and returned to hospital begging for Dr Percy's help. Despite everything the doctor tried, he could not get Terare on a controlled diet. He would still sneak out and eat offal from outside the butcher shops. He was also caught stealing other patients' blood when they were doing bloodletting. And he was found more than once in the morgue trying to eat the dead bodies. (coughs) Although many of the staff thought him to be mentally ill, Dr Percy was always there to defend him and wanted to continue to try and help. That is until a 14-month-old child vanished from the hospital. No. Everyone suspected Terare of eating the toddler, and Dr Percy could not bring himself to defend such an act. And so Terare was chased from the hospital and told to never come back. He ate a child. That's... I, I just don't even know what to say. 
Four years later, a Mr. Tessier from a hospital in Versailles contacted Dr. Percy and said, we've got a patient of yours and he really wants to see you. Dr. Percy obliged and went to visit and it was Tarare. He explained to the doctor that two years previously he'd eaten a golden fork and he suspected this to be the cause of his current condition. He was apparently very weak and just like not doing very well. So he asked Dr. Percy if he could operate to remove the obstruction. However, during his examination, the doctor found that Terare had advanced tuberculosis and he died shortly afterwards after a spurt of horrendous diarrhoea at the age of 26. A spurt of horrendous diarrhoea. I see what you did there. (laughs) His body began to rot extremely quickly and most of the doctors refused to perform an autopsy. However, Mr. Tessier, he was so curious that he got one done. They discovered that Terare had an abnormally large esophagus and when they opened his huge jaws, they could see straight down into his stomach. Oh. Yeah, that's awful. They also found his body to be filled with pus. His liver and gallbladder were huge and his stomach was enormous and filled with ulcers. They never did find the golden fork. Despite his remarkable abilities and the attention he attracted, Terare's life was not an easy one. His insatiable appetite led him to commit unsavoury acts and caused him great physical suffering. His unique story continues to intrigue people to this day, making him a fascinating figure in history. And that was Terare. Horrible, isn't it? Wild. Crazy, crazy, crazy story. Have you Google image searched him? Well, there aren't any photos because obviously this is like in the 1700s. But yeah. there is there is some nice drawings of him. Yeah, horrific drawings. <laughs> some nice drawings. drawings. <laughs> Flattering, are they? <laughs> oh, dear. That made me laugh. Nice drawings. I'm a bit gutted because I chose that story just for you, Bex, but you already knew it. Oh, I didn't know the whole story. Well, you saw how excited I was. <laughs> you scared a big mouse, are you? Here we go. Mm. Anyway, would you like to hear my horror story? Horror song? Well, horror song, yeah. Yes. Tell me, baby. Tash doesn't want to. No, I do, I do, I do. I live for it. <laughs> Tash is trying to fit apples in her mouth. <laughs> <laughs> oh his bum must have been so sore that's what i was thinking yeah. you know when you eat too many crisps and it kind of scratches your bum no <laughs> no i'm only joking she's not joking she's not joking. no that's what it feels like when you've got like an anal fissure it, that's oh, what it feels yeah. like you've eaten too many crisps it does yeah <laughs> Does it? Okay, moving on. It's a spiky poo. I don't know, my arsehole's fine. Right, horror song. It's quite a long one, actually. Today is an important day. Today I get to show Mother that she has taught me well. She looks at me lovingly and asks, Shall we go hunt? We set off together, but I know that she is only supervising. It's all on me today. I hear the sound of children laughing and playing in the water. I swim fast but silently. I arrive under their feet. I can see them treading water unaware of what is lurking beneath. I attack from below, dragging a first child underwater so quickly he didn't have time to scream. Blood gushes out of his leg as I bite down hard. Then he goes limp. Mother arrives for her share of the feast. The water is now red from the boy's blood. The laughs have turned into screams. I can see the other kids swimming to get to shore. Tough luck, kids. You can't outswim me. I grab another by the middle, this time as I propel myself at such speed I almost fly out of the water. The screams intensify as I bite the child in half. One half for me, one for mother. Satisfied, we decide it's best to swim away. Humans hate us, and they will soon be hunting us for what we have done. We swim for what seems like hours, and then Mother turns to me with a proud smile on her face. Safe at last, she says. And there you go. Do you know what it is? 
No. Really? I thought that was a really easy one. Oh, shall we wrap this up? Yep, let's wrap this up. Guys, you can catch us at all the usual places. TikTok, Instagram, where else? Twitter, under SCSK underscore podcast. Or on Facebook or YouTube. Go and follow us on YouTube. We've got like 24 subscribers. Go and just follow us. And that's just spine chillers and serial killers. Yeah, and if you want to write in to us with any uh, suggestions for cases or stories that you want to hear on the podcast, please write in at chillers.killers.pod at gmail.com. Thank y'all. Indeed. And until next week, stay safe. Don't kill people. And keep it weird. So I'd just been feeding the cat. Somebody knocks at the door. So <laughs> with a boom from your bosom. Sorry. Oh, oh. No, I'm feeding the cat's cat food, not like squirting the breast milk. Jesus Christ. <laughs> like on the fox and the hound where she squirts the cow milk into the fox's mouth. That's what you did, but right. with your boob. I was definitely not doing that. But I had my baby. I don't know whether I'm going to believe you now. I did not breastfeed but- my cats. Doubt is there. That's <laughs> sick. And also sharp. Oh, so I was thinking the teeth. Squidge, squidge. Oh, and the tongue. Mm. Ah.